good to go. All right. Well, yeah, like we were just saying before we hit the big red button, uh, this is kind of a massive undertaking. Uh, this might take <laughs> one to three, possibly, total episodes to go over. That's what I was thinking, too. And because first off, we're talking about something that I do that's I think it's pretty cool. Apparently other people think it's really cool too. It's a mono black Rubik's and it's kind of like a cube that's built out of a set number of cards as a core. And then I build individual shells for that core of different commanders and things for them. So I, out of, let's see, 10, 30 carters and a set 11, Basically, out of 400 cards, I have 11 decks. That's yeah. the the bottom line math. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's not quite modular because it all it's a one base piece and a bunch of things that slot into it. Right. So, but it, it's pretty unique. I've never heard about something like this. Um, the closest I heard is somebody did like a bunch of. Uh, 50 card one colored commander decks and then they put them together to make uh, and then they could put them together to make uh, what's it called? Guild commanders? Uh, each of the Ravnica guilds. Yeah. And then they had like each of just like the I think Dragon's Maze Maze Runners or the uh, one of the guild leaders from the Ravnica sets but And that's a pretty cool idea This too. is yeah and that's more thematic I think this is definitely more for efficiency. I also kind of think it's more along the lines of uh, me being a cheapskate. I mean, yeah, well, cost efficiency, right? I don't think it's you being a cheapskate. Oh, I think it's you yeah, being fair. Smart. Cost efficiency is definitely true. Like, <clears throat> when I was playing CDH, there's a I had three uh, mana crypts at one point, right? Jesus. <laughs> don't ask me what happened to all of them. I'm still bitter about it to this day. You know, um, life happens. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. But yeah, like, and with this, you know, because it's all mono black, right? Except Chainer's not, doesn't use the core, does he? Um, my Rakdos Chainer does not. Yeah. So, other than that, it's all other, so, not other than that, so it's all mono black, right? So. Yeah. And this variant is all mono black. I, I definitely think that other variants with multiple colors or different colors can be built, uh, AJ's mm -hmm. starting to work on a mono green one, because uh, that's his thing. So he's excited because he loves playing different green decks. And the reason that I started this is because I like playing mono black. I liked. Yeah. There's so many variable mono black strategies that you can go with, like zombies, uh, aristocrats, mill, discard, reanimator. Uh, and all kinds of different things that you could do in a mono black deck. And mm -hmm. I was like, I want to play them all. Like, I want to be able to bring any strategy to a table that maybe some of the newer players at League have never seen. And, you know, one, it keeps me playing something different all the time. It keeps it interesting for me. And I'm not a repetitive opponent to play against. Yeah. It's like, oh god, because here it's... comes Josh playing his Yawgmoth. Oh no, no, <laughs> today you fight Conrad Knights. Doo -doo -doo -doo. 
yeah, despite running uh, about, I think, 60-ish, um, actually, despite looking over it, never added up how many cards the core is. Running 60-ish with the same cards, it's cards you would see in basically any mono-black deck. It's par for a few spicy includes in your core. Um, 70, actually. That really make it it's 70. 70 cards. Mm. That's pretty good. Because 32 of it's lands, right? Uh, 32 are lands uh, in the core. Uh, and mm. there's some ramp uh, effects like Burnished Heart, things like that. You know, I have mm-hmm. staple sections like gotta have some draw, gotta have some tutors, gotta have some uh, spot removal, some wipes, some uh, ramps, some mana rocks. Those are all in the core. So when I build a shell for a commander, I don't have to worry about that. I focus on what I want that commander to do. Yeah. Like almost every card in your core, I could. I would run in a... I would or am running in a mono-black deck already. Yeah, not all of them are the most efficient or best black cards, but they're playable. Well, the two I'm referring to are Peer into the Abyss and Scourge Familiar, which I think we'll get over <laughs> later. Yeah. Which I think is good, but is a little too... <laughs> it's like holding on to infinite power in your hand, you know? intimidating. Uh, never <laughs> underestimate the power of the dark side. <laughs> it really, it really is. Um, because honestly, I there's okay. Let's go over it because <laughs> yeah, and, and you know don't go for the cream filling without eating the Twinkie. All right. <laughs> so you don't shove a straw into your Twinkie, Josh. That's fucking genius. Um. <laughs> Sorry, I, I keep I keep bringing us off course. So yeah, why don't we go over it? Well, welcome to the Rubik's where you don't have to stay on course. Um, <laughs> so, the core, <clears throat> I wrote a primer for it. Um, one of the greatest things that a lot of people get into Commander for is the deck building. Some people just mm-hmm. have their favorite Commander. Some people just like using their older cards. I like building decks, and having to use only one of a card and having to build a deck that can function against four or more people uh, that's just yeah it it's really is for me this i call this the monoback rubik's because it's literally like playing with a rubik's cube for me i love seeing what i can do what patterns i can make and things i don't solve the cube i play with it and the core starts out at 70 cards because i make all the shells of 30 cards and the core is very basic so i'm going to give you like the edge numbers uh because if someone else wants to try this this is a good variance to work with so i run 32 to 34 lands as the core and a lot of that is basic lands and then there's some very particular lands that I like that I think function in all of my decks. Uh, And that's the thing about the core is I pick all these cards that will function in any mono black deck. Yeah. That is the primary concept. And then I put unique individual cards for each commander or whatever that works with them in their deck. Um, I run nine to 11, what I call mana permanents. So it's either like rocks, uh, burnished heart, things like that to get me mana acceleration on the board that stays there not a dark ritual 
I run 9 to 11 draw and or tutor cards, or generally anything that gives me good hand advantage, or card access, 9 to 11 single target removal, including artifacts, enchantments, etc. Not just creatures. <clears throat> uh, and I run 1 to 3 uh, either resets or wipes. Like things that just clear the board and say, okay, let's try and get back on our feet. Um, if you ran the maximum of each of those sections, it'd be 70 cards. So mm -hmm. running a little bit less allows for <clears throat> me to put... I ran a little bit less in each of these sections. And <laughs> I put in um, what I call like staples, meta tech, or favorite cards. And that is the outline of the core. So let's actually look at the core to show like this is what's going to help a deck help my deck run it's yeah. the 30 cards that come after are going to be the commander things specific to that commander what makes that commander run and some cards that are not in the other shells you know to make more use of my collection like each one's going to have like it's extra its own particular land its own spot removal uh, board wipe you know things like that that because I have fucking tons of them, and yeah, I don't like them sitting in my binder, you know. <laughs> exactly. No, I will still not ever play a clue stone. That's not what I'm doing here. Um, but you get the idea. It's like if I have twelve spot removal cards that are all two mana, and I have twelve decks, why not use one in each? You know. Yeah. Rather than having yeah, just ten cards that I play in every single deck. Why not spread it out, you know? I I think it makes you a better deck builder because like uh you're you're saying like, alright, I have to work with this many cards to make my deck do its specific thing. So you cut down the amount of cards you have, so it makes you better at picking out the best cards for a team, right? Or the or the cheapest. A, yeah, or the or the cheapest. <laughs> But budget building's another thing. And even working with the best cards in a budget. Because the thing with Commander right now is we're getting to a state, we've kind of been at this state for a while, where if you could run, like, let's say a Voltron deck with just Voltron cards and lands and ramp, right? But then you'd be missing out on removal, board wipes, and your deck wouldn't be as good, necessarily, as if you played a more balanced build. Uh, because of this bloat of cards in the format, which I think is what's appealing about it, actually. I don't think that's the problem. I think it causes a problem for players to overcome, which is a good thing. Um, so it makes you avoid the trap of being too much into your deck's theme, which a lot of new players, or even old players, I've fallen into it plenty of times, uh, find themselves in. I get it. Like, trying to find alternatives, or yeah, rather than saying, okay, I only need 10 spot removal, here's the best 10 spot removal, I'll take the best 8 spot removal that I have, and then for my 10 or 11 shells, I have to find two unique spot removals for each one. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because I try to keep my collection also Highlander. I don't have many duplicates, um, and I can say that because once I started doing this, I got rid of a lot of them. Uh, 
COVID, quarantine, things like that were not kind. Um, we all had to make cuts and dividends here and there. And mine was, is I had to stop having 12 individual unique 100 card decks and started doing this. And yep. so I try my best not to have duplicates. So I generally hoard every individual black card I can, whether it's good or not in comparison to everything else. Yeah, of course, I do like top 10 type stuff, but I spread it out as best yeah. I can. All right. Uh, so, I guess we start looking at the lands, right? Yeah, I think that's the biggest place, because I think mono black, I think this is probably the second most important, I think playing mono black is the second most expensive monocolored deck to build um, in general, and I think a large part of that is due to two specific lands. Um, <laughs> Reliquary Tower and 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 Swamp. Nefalia. Oh, and Swamp, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so when you first told me about this cube, the first two cards I thought of were Cabal Coffers and Orberg Tomb of Yogpoth. Yeah. Because I, I was seething at the checkout counter at ABU when I bought my second Urborg and Cabal Coffers. <laughs> I was not in a good mood. I was like, I don't want to have to buy two of these. I hate... <laughs> gets reprinted and it's still like $40, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, was um, not... it, it does feel good to say that I currently have 11 decks in my cube, and technically I'm playing... Cabal, Coffers, and Erberg, and all of them. But I'm only, I only have one Cabal, Coffers, and Erberg. And even on Moxfield, where I have my settings set the lowest price, that's mm -hmm. still almost $60 per deck that I'm not spending. Yeah. So let me turn on my calculator. So, 60 times 11. $660 saved already. No, 600 because I actually do have one of each. The one, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, boom. Two cards, save $600 by doing this. Yep. Like, that's great. Yeah. And a, and a big thing, I know a lot of people are probably going to say it, like, why don't you just swap cards back and forth? Um, it's because with each new card you add to this, so like, if it was just Herb Morgan Cabal Coffers, you could probably swap them back and yeah. forth. But with each card you add, that becomes exponentially harder and to keep track of and a lot of work in between games. Um... And in any format, that's annoying, but specifically at ABU, where games are called quickly sometimes, you don't want to be caught with your pants down. And to be fair, when people say, why don't you swap them between decks, that is exactly what I'm doing. That's a good point. That's <laughs> I'm literally swapping 70 cards between decks every single game I play. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and, and they are, they are yeah. all in the same sleeves, right? Yeah, I have approximately, <laughs> I think at this point, I'm at... 600 or 700 slates uh, stashed up. Okay. Uh, I have a couple uh, boxes sitting aside in case, you know, I get on a building spree or something. Yeah. Do you uh, do you double sleeve, Josh? Absolutely. Oh, God, I could not imagine. I'm only, I don't have spares of these cards. Why would I Fair enough. let them go? Like, <laughs> double sleeving is so much of a hassle. It is. <laughs> But for what I'm doing, it's like every card is more important. 
because for me every card that i have in my core is 11 cards it it is multiplying that card's value to me exactly yeah <clears throat> that's a good point so the cabal coffers even at 20 bucks i'm playing it in over 10 decks that's a 200 dollars value for me that i don't have to spend so i had i take care of that one cabal coffers more than i yeah, would 10 of point. them because if i had 10 of them i wouldn't care as much no this is my one it's your baby uh yes honestly i, so, I use erberg more than i do the cabal coffers but yes yeah. when you have two kids you, you better love them all there's no metal middle child <laughs> cabal stronghold is the red-headed stepchild but i still love it um so yes the actual <laughs> lands we'll, let's actually talk about them so so uh, 22 Swamps, uh, Cabal Coffers, Cabal Stronghold, Urborg, Thespian, that base group, um, Reliquary Tower, Mirrored Landscape, and then the rest I think are all noteworthy. Uh, but the rest of them, you know, you, you'll you'll see them a lot. Most players have seen them and know kind of what they do. Yeah, some of them are just kind of my personal preference. Um, like, for instance, Field of Ruin and Ghost Quarter. I play mm -hmm. them because... Uh, I like the uh, the option to get rid of lands that are too powerful. Like if someone drops yeah. a Gaia's Cradle, I can pop it with Ghost Quarter, they get a basic land. I don't feel so bad. Um, I'm not being toxic. I'm still controlling the effect, but I'm not like just wastelanding them. Yeah, uh, they play Cabal Coffers, you know? <laughs> yeah, and like Field of Ruin uh, is basically the same thing, but I make friends. Mm -hmm. So like everybody gets uh, a basic land, and for me that's great. So it's like cool. I get to blow up your uh, cabal coffers, and I'm gonna go get more swamps for me because I actually have them, and I make friends with other people who may have been behind. I will never do either of those two. I will never blow up an important land on someone who has who is behind, who's the furthest behind. I I don't like low hanging fruit. I don't play that game. Yeah. I'd rather make them as a friend and have them be the person at the end that I either kill them or they kill me. It's more narratively satisfying that way, you know? Right. The underdog coming back to, to possibly take the game away from me. I love that. I always feel in my head I'm playing Arch Enemy in my, on my own. Whether or not they know it, I pretend I'm playing Arch Enemy. So that's how I always play. Uh, unless we're playing a game type, and then exactly, and then I try, yeah. then I try to group hug and make everyone else kill each other. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, go my puppets. Um, <clears throat> but Nathalia Academy, um, I've been playing this card for years, and because I always played effects that made people discard cards, and I'm like, if somebody does this to me, I don't want to do that. No, I I'm gonna protect myself, <laughs> <laughs> especially when people would like windfall uh, or dark deal and i'm like or yeah. the red ones and it's like i was not ready for that but sometimes i'll have the nefali academy out and i'll be like haha you thought you'd got me yeah i uh saw this card uh when i was looking over your deck list uh last night and i was like oh i'm gonna have to order some of these because i hate turgrid right now yeah and the card has gotten better because of that yeah. Um, Turgrid and Tiny Bones, Nefali Academy, you don't discard. You you have the option 
to put it on top of your deck instead of putting it anywhere else. Good old tiny bones. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did not know this was a card that existed uh, up until approximately like 10 hours ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, other than that, you have Emergence Zone, another card. I because I'm cheap and have. I can't afford a Vidalcan Orrery right now. Yeah. Oh. And people check, normally check forget Emergence Zone is there. And so sometimes I can have surprise effect with it too. Because mm -hmm. if people see Vidalcan Orrery, they're like, oh, he's got Flash, he can do dumb shit on my turn. But a lot of people will forget Emergence Zone is there. And then when I do use it, it's like emotional damage, you know? Just. Oh no. Yeah, it's one cheaper to activate than I believe Alchemist Hut, but Alchemist Hut is blue-green only, I think. This does mm -hmm. sacrifice itself. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, in black, you really are using it to destroy opponent stuff. You're not really using it, or to cast Rise of the Dark Realms at instant speed yeah. uh, right before your turn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've done Peer into the Abyss um, before my turn. <laughs> Just so I had more mana on my turn to use the cards I drew with it. God, I really want to cast Peer into the Abyss on somebody with no cards in their library, because it does round up. Yep. <laughs> um, it's, it's hilarious. But yeah, I mean, this is a super strong uh, land base. Um, it's not enough lands in my mind. I like 35 now. I used to run only 33, but 35 is my go-to. So each commander that I'm shell that I'm building, depending on their curve of their cards, will have one to three lands in that shell. Like yeah. um, my Voltron commanders will have like Rogue's Passage and things like that. Some of them will just have more swamps. Um, but I leave that to each commander to flesh out their mana curve. You know. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of flexible lands nowadays, like especially now with uh, the new channel lands. Um, we have the old uh, com original Kamigawa had a bunch of uh, unique land cycles. Um, there's a lot of like, and old Magic the Gathering especially has a lot, like Volash Stronghold comes to mind. There's a lot of lands with unique abilities uh, that pe I think people should look at more going into their decks. Uh, sadly, they're a little expensive. I think it's the biggest problem for a lot of them. Yeah, especially Again, the ones like that are Earth. easier to use. The easier it is yeah. to use the land, the, the, the more expensive it is. Uh, mm -hmm. the but I think the black channel land's pretty cheap. I, I, right now, in comparison to the green one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First pack of Kamigawa, I got the green one. Nice, dude. Um, I was so I was so happy. That's a great thing about channel. We'll, we'll just cover this uh, keyword real quick and then get back in. Uh, channel, unlike transmute or other effects that you can discard on your turn, it's not sorcery speed. So, mm -hmm. it's ridiculously good. Yeah, it's discard the card, pay a price, do something. You're not casting a spell. It's instant speed, so it's uncounterable. Um, you still lose out to stifle effects. But, I mean, it's just... Uh, if you see a channel effect you like, um, run it, basically. Yeah, because why not? Yeah. Sadly, I don't think there's that many great ones. Um, um, I'm a fan of Shigeki, even though I don't play green. Like, I looked at Shigeki, Shigeki and I was Shigeki. like, oh, the green one. 
Uh, what should Geki do? Uh, he's one. Oh, he's the yeah. one who returns non-legendary. Yeah. Uh huh. Like I was like, man, if only that said non-legendary creatures, he could have been black. Oh man. <laughs> but you know, there's still room to expand on this effect. So looking forward mm -hmm. to the future. Which, as things come out, and I get new cards and stuff, basically, like every month, I'm looking at: Do I want to build a new shell, or do I want to upgrade my core? Um, so Kamigawa came out, and I was like, I'm building Nashi. That's what I did. Yeah. And it only took me 30 cards. So, and half of them I had, some of them I was like, okay, these are really cool cards for this commander, and boom. I don't have to build a new deck. I don't have to go get another Vampiric Tutor or another Tutors and things like that. No. So that's mm -hmm. where it came in. Is I literally was able to build that deck for 30 bucks. Done. Which is like every commander's dream. Every commander player's dream. Right? I pay less than a pre-con? Yeah, let's fucking go. Mm -hmm. uh, so, how do you want to go over the rest of this? Do you want to go over it like I have it listed in the primer uh, for the different sections, like Mana Permanence, Draw Tutor, or do you want to go through Artifacts, Sorceries, Instance, or Creatures? I think going through Mana Permanence, Draw Tutor is better, because then we won't be bouncing around between themes. Right, and then they get an idea of what I picked for this thing. Mm -hmm. All right. So, first up, we'll do Mana Permanence, because it's on my list first. And quick. <clears throat> yeah, so Mana Permanence, Soul Ring, Everflowing Chalice, Mindstone, Arcane Signet, Thelwarstone, uh, Manascape Refractor, highly underrated card, um, and cheap, uh, Burnished Heart, Solemn Simulacrum, Expedition Map, and my personal pet item, uh, Extra Planar Lens. Yeah. Because I, I don't know if personal is the right word for extra planar lens, but <laughs> you know, for me, yeah, you I, you saw my extra planar lens. I've actually got it signed by Lars Grant West, and I've had uh, and I've had the card for like fifteen years. I was talking about because it's unlike Cage that it affects your opponents. Oh, that too. I like uh, yeah. spreading the love a little bit. You know, playing a little political <laughs> with it, uh, especially if someone else has enough uh, basic swamps because you know, represent. Um. <laughs> yeah, you stick together with your homies, you know? Yeah. But yeah, uh, I don't think we need to go over anything really here other than Manascaper Factor. Um, and then Burnish Heart and Solemn obviously synergize with Cabal Coffers because they tutor out lands into play. Right. And yep. they're they're good. Like I, Oh, did we count Onyx Talisman in here? Uh, Onyx Talisman... Uh, that is what I call kind of a favorite card, because it's not always a mana booster. It's kind of a weird one. All right, we'll cover it later then. But yeah, Manascape, I think. Because I had you, you introduced me to this beautiful card. So Manascape Refractor is a three-cost artifact that it enters the battlefield tapped. Okay? Normally, that's like the death knell of any artifact. Um, yeah. But it has all activated abilities of all lands on the battlefield so <laughs> it's cabal coffers it's cabal stronghold it's emergence zone it's field of ruin it's a myriad landscape it's whatever i want it to be plus whatever my opponents have it's a gaius cradle it could be a gaius cradle you know it, it could be a wasteland it could be whatever you still have to pay the cost when you activate things like that but mm -hmm. like who wouldn't pay three for an artifact that is a Cabal Coffers? 
It also uh, allows you to spend mana zones and a color to activate its abilities, so you're not locked out of some of your opponent's stuff. Like, if you're playing this in a blue-green deck, you can still activate Volrash Stronghold. Right. Yep. Yeah, and it's... It's a three-cost artifact. They're really cheap. I Honestly, I won't lie, I bought ten of them because I know this is going to go up later and then I'm going to use it for trading. Like, yeah, there's I mean, no reason for it not to. This is one Commander's Quarters episode from being, like, three, four dollars. It's... And then he'll complain uh, about it. 79 cents on Card Kingdom, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, like, I mean, to be fair, it does suck for him, right? <laughs> you know, gotta build my budget decks. Alright, play a new card in my budget deck. It's no longer budget. God damn it. <laughs> right, so Manuscape Refractor has all activated abilities of all lands on the map, which means yep. that any mana that can be produced by a land on the field can be produced by this. Mm -hmm. It's it's just that much, in my mind, much better than Commander Sphere. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's at worst three mana, tap for one, which, you know, is bad, but with the ability for it to become so much better later on. It's, yeah, all you gotta do is get one of your it. own lands out with, like, the Expedition map. Mm -hmm. And this isn't legendary, so if you copy it oh. with, like, uh, uh, Sculpting Steel or something, oh, yeah. you can get legendary lands effects more than the person who controls it. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, a prototype portal. Yeah. <laughs> Um, For those who I believe, want to put it in any color. I believe next we have Draw slash Tutor. All right. I think probably the biggest money-saving part of your uh, oh, deck list. Yeah. So in my core, I'm running a total of eight Draw and Tutor because I spread them around, a lot of them around to my other decks. Um, we'll start with the Tutors and go from there. Now, one of them is technically not a tutor, but it almost always is, at least <laughs> once. Um, and we'll just get out of the way, because Opposition Agent. If you're playing black, you play Opposition Agent. Like, yes, I know, it's a $10 card, it can be kind of dirt dirty, but why not? Yeah. If you play a kill spell to get rid of a creature someone plays, why would you not play something that gets you a card way out of their hand, out of their deck, and it gives it to you. Like, that's why people play Gonti. That's why people play uh, Praetor's Grasp, uh, Sadistic Sacrament, uh, Void Winnower. Like, you one, you stop them getting whatever they're getting, even if it's a land, and you get mm -hmm. it. And you don't even just get it. You get to pick it. Okay? So, yeah. oh, you've got your Manuscape Refractor out, and they're about to search for uh, any land with their Expedition map? Well, I'm going to go get your Cabal Coffers, put it in play with my Manuscape Refractor, and now I have two. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> okay, so Opposition Agent, we don't have to tell people how good that is. It's That's it. Done. I, I will note, it's at $12, right? $12.99, it says right now. That's a good price for Op Agent. Yeah, and that's the cheap one. I, yeah, I'm used to it being, like, well above 20 Uh-huh. Well, that's we also shop at ABU in-store, uh, so... Sometimes our prices are a little bit more because of the service factors, and uh, I mean you do. I I sadly cannot anymore. I do not like ordering cards online because I don't trust shipping. Yeah, I just I can't. Me personally, 
Go right ahead, though. Card Kingdom, TCG player, wherever you want to go. Like, mm-hmm. Office and Agent, get it. Uh, so good. My other two tutors I play are Beseech the Queen. Uh, Super underrated. And underpriced. Uh, and that's the main reason I run it, because it's cheap. Um, I don't have a Vampiric yet. Uh, but it's only mm-hmm. three bucks-ish. And you start, it's got a variable mana cost. So... If I don't, if I have two swamps and a, a non basics, uh, like my colorless lands, I can still play it. Uh, so yeah. it has options, and I go search for any card with converted mana cost less than equal to the number of lands I control. So I mm-hmm. can go get anywhere. If I play it on turn three for three black, I can go get a three to a zero, which I do have zeros because slaughter yeah. packed. Um, among things. Usually grab Soul Ring if you play it on turn 3. It's been my history with this card. Honestly, a lot of the time I grab one of my spot removals. That costs me 0 mana to play. Because uh, normally if I'm on turn 3 and I have 3 black, I'm generally in an okay position. Um, yep. Because <laughs> that means I've hit my curve. And that's what I want to do. Now, the other one is Demonic Tutor. I... Yeah. If you don't know what Demonic Tutor is, it's basically one of the top three tutors you can have. One and a black, it's a sorcery. You search your deck for a card, put it in your hand, shelf your library. Boom, done. Cheap, efficient, effective, and god almighty expensive. One of the best, one of, and arguably the best card in Commander. Yeah. There's a couple others that are very close. Honestly, I like tutors I put it in my hand more than I like tutors I put it on top of my deck because then it can get fucked with before I get it. But mm-hmm. that's what strategies like I'm doing with Nashi are for. Um, yeah. Yeah, so my... Tutors? Yeah, that's the tutors. They're good. Uh, yeah, I don't play that many, tutors. honestly. If you look at it, I don't play that many. In the core. Now, each shell will have one tutor unique to them. Like, Nashi's going to have Vampiric Tutor. Uh, Geth is going to have, like, one that, uh, the Inventor's Fair. Things like that. Or I'll even play down a Diabolic Tutor on one of them, just because, why not? You know, have a little fun. And create variety, you know? Maybe some people I play against or new might not have never seen these cards and be like, oh, this is a really cheap option I've been looking for. Boom, done. I've, I've made mm-hmm. progress in the environment. Not necessarily my own, but... That, to me, is worthwhile. It's worth every penny that I didn't spend. (laughs) Um, I just quickly need to say this right now, because in case anybody's listening to this, uh, and you're thinking about throwing tutors in your deck, Rim Tutor um, is at, like, $13 right now. It is one of the best tutors in the game. It's It's one more black mana than Demonic Tutor, but you have to pay three life. And that's it. Yeah. Um, Still good. It's basically like yes. my Besiege the Queen, except they don't have to show it. That's all. Yep, you don't have to show it, and you can get any card. And sometimes I use the Besiege the Queen as a threat. Like, a veiled threat. Like, I just searched my deck for this card that's a removal. And so now everyone knows I have a removal, so they're going to be on their toes. They may play a little slower. Which means I don't have to use the removal. Mm-hmm. Before combat, sack your emergence zone, beseech the queen for slaughter pack, go to combat. 
let them let them go to combat now. Right? <laughs> They'll think twice. <laughs> or I'll even beseech the queen for darkness. Do you run darkness in your core? Uh, fuck yeah. Oh, I must. I missed it. Oh, there it is. Yeah, baby. <laughs> that is my baby card. Okay. Oh my god. All right, that's in the text slots. Now the other draw cards. Oh. Uh, my first one's a little weird. Uh, it's grave consequences. It's probably one of the few black cards that only draws you one card that I really like. I only recently started playing this. Uh, when other people started throwing graveyard spells at me more commonly in the recent events. Um, so, one in a black, instant from Judgment, way back. It's old as dirt. Still a quarter. Um, each player may may remove any number of cards in in their graveyard from the game. Then, each player loses one life for each card left in their graveyard. And then I draw a card. So, <laughs> it's a cantrip. Easy, done. But if someone's about to play something that says, you know, um, if someone's about to play Rise of the Dark Realms, and I'm like, yo, that's my trick. No, uh, Grave Consequences. Everybody's going to remove all their fucking creatures from their graveyard. And yep. the person just... I basically just countered the Rise of the Dark Realms. Yeah. And probably dealt some damage to them, because they're going to keep their... They're going to want to keep their creatures in their graveyard, but I also yep. removed any other options for them. Like, any tricks they could have pulled mm -hmm. with our stuff. Unless somebody on our side was like, no, let them have... You know, but then you know yeah. who you kill next. Um, <laughs> but then it brings politicking into the game, which I think is right? always the more... Poli it's weird. It's like the opposite of real life. The more politicking possible in a game of Commander, the better it is, in my opinion. Right? Like my Field of Ruin. Like... Exactly. And Darkness. I don't have to play that to save myself. I can play it to save everyone. The longer it's in your hand, the more you get to look at the cute little shadow creature guy, you know? Right? It's... It feels like it's multiple creatures, too. Honestly... I want to get my darkness altered to be pitch black. Just, just completely pitch black. No, I mean like the movie with Vin Diesel. Oh, the Vin Diesel has a movie called... Hold on one second. <laughs> We're Googling important things now. One moment, please. This is, this is vital. When did this come out? Uh, before you. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, have I got an image for you to alter it to? Hold on one second. <laughs> I think this scene from the movie is perfect for it. <laughs> uh oh. Once, if we, when we make this to a YouTube video, I'm going to have to edit this in. Yeah, we're going to talk about <laughs> darkness, and we're just going to have Vin Diesel looking around for the creatures. That's what's going to happen. And it's going to slowly zoom in on his face. Yes. All right. <laughs> Um, right. my, uh, my other, my other draw cards are kind of basic. Um, and basic, I mean, mm. simple, understand sign in blood. It's yep. two black target player draws two cards and loses two life. I don't have to target myself. Uh, these are, yep. that's one of the cards that I've used to kill a Thassa. Yeah. A Thoracle. You respond 
to them doing their yeah. thing. And you're like, here, draw a card. <laughs> oh, you need to sack the emergent. Satellite's on an instant, which feels so bad. But that's what Blood Pact's for. One of my next one. Two in a black. Target player draws two cards and loses two life. Instant speed. Costs one more mana, but instant. And that's why those two are... Yeah. Common. Two black, but one more, one more mana for instant speed is so worth it. That's always a fair value trade. Like, yeah. Blood Pact is in my mind, a superior sign in blood. Yeah. One, by far. it only has one black pip, so it's easier to cast. Two, it's instant speed. And it still does exactly the same thing as sign of blood. Also, they're both cheap. Sign of blood actually went down a lot. I remember when that used to be a lot, dude. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, back in the day. Like, four years ago, I think Sign and Blood, before, yeah, about M16, uh, Sign and Blood was a couple bucks. It was really popular. The meta was slower and everything else, too, so it was hard to get cards like that. They've literally released something in black that draws two cards at least once a year since then. The the thing is, I played a lot of M15 and cracked a lot of packs, so I, ha yeah. I just always had Sign and Bloods. Yeah, it's my... Well, I just mentioned those two. Um... It's my next one that's actually a little bit more expensive. That's Knight's Whisper. One and a black. Yeah. Sorcery. I draw two cards and lose two life. Not a targeting thing, but the mana's really flexible. Uh, that one's four bucks, so. So. Really? Yeah, and it's a, it's a common from, I believe that was Modern Masters? Uh, that's Eternal Masters. Eternal Masters, uh, yeah, that. It's also in Mystery Boosters, too. Yeah, still four bucks, and that's the cheapest one. Yeah. Um, Gosh, but I play that because it's one in a black, draw two cards, lose two life. Yes, very good. Literally just better sign one. Uh, and a slightly mm. better Knight's Whisper is succumb to temptation. Add one mana to Knight's Whisper's cost, and make it instant. Exactly <laughs> the same thing as sign and blood and blood pact. Most of my draw yeah. cards are very direct forward, except for this one. Yeah. Well. So no, Succumb to Temptation adds another black mana, not uh, another colorless. So it is one black black. Not playing mono black, it's okay. But it's instant, <laughs> and I can hold it up till the end of the turn, you know, you know, with that threat and removal I have in my hand. Because well, I'm notorious for that. Another huge thing is it is the same mana cost as Hero's Downfall. So you, if you tutor for Hero's Downfall and people see you tutor for it, and you have both in your hand, you can keep up kill mana... And if you don't need to use it, you can cast Succumb to Temptation. Mm -hmm. Which is just so much value. Indeed. Well, um, the last draw card I have oh, is... This one's interesting. Um, and it's, honestly, it's, it's four mana, three and a black. Mm -hmm. But the reason I play it is because it can be better than the others, in a way. So each other player, each opponent, uh, discards a card from his or her hand. You draw a card for each card discarded this way. It can be I draw three cards and they each discard one. I've Which is just so good. I've played it at times and where it's come down to they discard one, I draw one. But that was in like heads up at the end of the game and I just took out their one removal card they had in their hand. And I got a card to replace mine. So, Siphon Mind is an amazing card. 
And the thing is also, um, the less players you have, the less you need the cards. Because it's like, you know, if you have three opponents, you need more resources to deal with them. But if you have one opponent, you need less resources. So the fact that it goes down the more players dies is true, but also the amount of cards you need goes down as more players die. So it's not necessarily the worst, yeah. even in that scenario. Yeah, even for four mana, if you have three opponents, it's minus three total for them, plus three total for you. Mm -hmm. And... If there's two people, it's minus two plus two. If there's one, it's minus one plus one. It's still viable at minus one plus one. Not the best. Yeah. Obviously, there'd be better options if it was strictly a 1v1 deck, but that's its worst case scenario. Which mm -hmm. is just good. Yeah, that's, that's my draw cards. <laughs> you can use it with words of waste to lose all your friends. Um, and have it be seven mana. Each of your opponents discard four cards. Ew. Um, yeah. There's also, if you're playing like a discard deck, like High Tower or something else that has, I believe it's Bone, not Bone Miser, uh, Waste Knot. Yeah. Oh, so they each discard card. a card. You draw your three cards, and then you profit even more. Yep. Oh, Megram? Oh, hey, how you doing? Like, it just. It synergizes with so many of my other mm -hmm. shells without having to, without being a problem. It's just a good card. Yeah. Well, it, it synergizes with your other shells, but it's still good enough on its own to where you don't just run it in those shells, you run it in the core itself. Right. Mm -hmm. There's rarely a situation where it's not a good card to play. Yeah. And that's pretty yeah. much if someone else has Nefalia Academy out. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, like, the biggest thing about it, which I think is super cool, is that this was made in Onslaught. So, like, f multiplayer games weren't really, like, a thing they had in mind when designing cards. Yeah. Which is super curious to you me. You can tell when you look at some of the cards I have in here, it says each other player instead of each opponent. Mm -hmm. That's a very, very big phrasing. Because if you are playing two-headed giant or anything with teams, your teammate's oh. going to get hit with this. That's su I didn't. Even, I never considered that. Yeah. Let me. I wonder, I wonder if it's been eroded. I doubt it has. Nope. It is still each other a player. Yikes. So yeah, keep out. Watch. Watch out for that. But that's still good. Oh no, you hurt your teammate for one, yeah. but you're still your team went minus one plus one for that same cost. So it balances out. And yeah, if you're you on a team, you, you let your teammate know. Your Especially if your teammate might have madness or something, you know? Maybe they're a reanimator. Yeah. We've pulled bullshit like that off before. Um, hey, I'm going to siphon my... Uh, I'm going to make everyone discard a card. Cool, I'll put this thing in my graveyard. Oh, sweet, now we got a reanimator. Boom, go. Like, it works. It does cool things. Uh, so that's all my draw. What's what's next on my list here? Oh, this single target removal. Ah, my bread and butter, um, uh, and my aphrodisiac. Oh, I love killing shit. Um, <laughs> I hate counter spells. I like to let people put their stuff into play and then take it away. Um, it is several milliseconds slower than counter spells. <laughs> right, and several milliseconds more satisfactory to me. Uh, <laughs> So, my removal. Uh, first, I start off with 
what I think is probably a classic on removal cards. Uh, very modern. It's been around forever. And now it's recently just got really cheap, I guess. Uh, Slaughter Pact. Costs yeah. zero mana. Instant. Destroy target non-black creature. At the beginning of your next upkeep, you pay two and a black. If you don't, you lose the game. Super worth it. I've I've not um, I've not paid that once just to get out of the game. You know, it was a good escape route, and plus I had already won a game that night, and I knew the people that would win if I uh, left the game uh, were they deserved it more than the person who I was fucking over. <laughs> And so, oh. <laughs> like, all the advantage that person was getting was because they were taking shit from me. And yeah. they were using it to beat down on the other people who were still new. And I was like, no, fuck this. Uh, I'm going to kill my commander. No, not my, it wasn't my commander. It was, I'm going to kill whatever you stole from me that wasn't black. Um, probably my semi-lacrum. Um, and then... On my, I did it to your end step. My turn, I scoop. Give me all my shit. I'm out. And then they dogpiled the yeah. fuck out of him. And I was like, yes! Get nothing more satisfying than seeing new players win games. Are you not entertained? <laughs> Didn't see that coming, did yeah. you? Slaughter packs? So it's one of the three good packs. Uh, slaughter pack, pack of negation, uh, and then the green pack. Its name escapes me. I don't even know what the white pack does. Do you off the top of your head? Nope. I know the red pack summons like a 4-4 giant that dies at the end of the turn. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, my, zero mana removal spell. Yep. Speaking of zero mana removal, uh, snuff out. Yeah. Three and a black. better. Instant from Arcadian Masks. Um, if you control a swamp, I can pay four life instead of paying its mana cost. Destroy target non-black creature. Can't be regenerated. Guess what? <laughs> I always got a swamp, man. <laughs> yeah. Turns out your mono black deck uh, usually has swamps in play. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. Like, same reason as playing Slaughter Pack. It's so I can look tapped out, look vulnerable, and still have an answer to most <laughs> non-black things. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can also answer more things than normal in a given turn. Like, if you have the option for something to cost zero mana, for life, it is usually worth it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, always. if this costed seven life, I'd still run in my deck. <laughs> you know, I can play it for four mana, or if I'm desperate, I can pay seven uh, life. For, right? for seven life, I would want it to say exile target creature. <laughs> exile target creature? Yeah, not non-black, oh, not destroy... Seven life, though, dude. I, I get a little loosey-goosey with my life. Right, but if you compare seven life to things that cost seven mana, uh, <laughs> for seven mana, I can play Scour from Existence, which exiles target permanent. So if I'm going to oh, yeah, pay seven, seven life, life is... I want an effect equivalent to a seven mana card. I don't know about that. Seven life for is, I think, way less of a cost than seven mana. It would at minimum be destroy target creature. Yeah. Not non black. Just destroy target creature. Or destroy target permanent for seven mana. Uh, for seven life. I would pay that. Yeah. I. It'd be risky as fuck a lot of the time, but I'd pay it. Yeah. 
I think I play a little too loose with my life, and mm-hmm. even though I think that's a uh, trap people fall into. I'm quoted with saying, if Yogsmoth Bargain had was pay five life to draw a card, I think it would still be on the band's, band list. Uh, <laughs> it's just, yeah. Skipping costs for life is so good because you control the amount of life you pay without having a limit, right? The, well, the limit is your life total, but, right, it's not as big of a limit as, like, lands per turn, right? You're not slowly building up life over the game. You have a huge pool and you can dip into it. Yeah, it's a flexing thing that your opponents can influence, too. Yeah. Um, so that's why I think stuff out's better than Slaughter Pact, to be honest. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yep. Because I still have to pay the mana for Slaughter Pact. It's just... I have an, I have an well, option. You don't have to, Josh. Yeah, we covered that already, for sure. You're right. Um, um, but speaking of let's low on. mana cost... Um, you know what, let's go ahead and I'll cover the other third spell that I like to play for free. Uh, Force of Despair. Oh, so good. One and two black, instant. If it's not my turn, I may exile a black card from my hand rather than pay its mana cost. Okay, sometimes it's a little hard to do, but it destroys all creatures that entered the battlefield this turn. That can be an instant so board good. wipe. Mm-hmm. Like, if somebody rises Dark Realms and nobody has an answer, I'm like, okay. And now they all die. <laughs> oh, you're swinging at me? No, now they're dead. <laughs> oh, you killed yeah, everyone yeah. else, and then you go to end step? Well, now they're all dead. Right? Such a good card. So underrated, honestly, mm-hmm. from Modern Horizons 1. Yeah, I mean, it's, and I've used it to kill single creatures before. Like, yeah, because it's three cost. I, I've paid the three to kill one creature. Because it doesn't target, which gets around hexproof. Very big deal. And it's instant. Like, you technically two for one yourself, but usually it's a creature that's way more valuable than one card, right? I mean, if I I do it that way. Honestly, I've (laughs) paid for Force of Despair more than I've cast it for free. Yeah, three mana is not a big cost for this effect. it's, It's unique. There's no other card that does the same thing in black. Yeah. It doesn't target, it destroys, and it's instant speed. Yep. And it's so controllable, too. Like, if you, you don't ruin your politicking with the rest of the table, like you might if you had cast Damnation at instant speed, right? Right. You're just messing over that one guy that's messing with you. Just great card all around. Like, that guy just yeah. went off. Oh, he just played Crater Hoof. Yep, Tooth and Nail Entwined, Crater Hoof, Avengers, Endicar, go to combat, Force of Despair. Just Whap, sit down. <laughs> nope, nope. Baby goes to the corner. Yeah, so those are the spells that I can play for free. Uh, they can say, make or break a game. Uh, my Now we go to the, the removal spells that actually cost me mana. Like, one mana, black, defile. Yep. Target creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn for each swamp I control. I love this card. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so great. Like, there was only one removal spell that I was playing at one mana before I got a hold of this card, and it replaced it. I always played Tragic Slip until I got Defile. Yeah. Defile's so much better. 
Tragic Slip, if you're playing Aristocrats, great card. If you're not playing Aristocrats, it can be harder to activate and mm -hmm. just Defile is almost always online if you're playing mono black to kill something. Right. Uh, next one. It's kind of a newer card. Uh, I think I put it in here just because it's versatile and it's cheap. Um, one in a black Infernal Grasp. It's instant, yeah. destroy target creature, I lose two life. Now, that's a small price to pay. Uh, there is a mm -hmm. lot, a lot of one and a black destroy target creature spells. However, most of them have a different type of drawback or cost. Like this one says lose two life. Other ones are mm -hmm. destroy target mono creature, destroy target legend, destroy target non-legend, target werewolf, non-werewolf, etc. Like, and this one's just like lose two life. Okay. You know, this fits the bill on a lot of parameters. You know, it works with any, pretty much any situation. Good to go. Yeah. I think the only two CMC black instant you can argue this is worse than, for removal, I should say, um, is Victim of the Night. I think there's an argument to be had, but other than that, this is better than every other one. Now, to be fair, uh, there is one other removal spell that can be played at two cost that I would say is better. And that is uh, Baleful Mastery, where if you play it for play it play it for one yep. in a black destroy target creature, target player draws a card. I say that that card's better because you destroy target creature, a target opponent draws a card. Put it that way. Yeah, I was about to um, say if it was target player that card. Yeah, definitely target better. opponent draws a card, but that opponent doesn't have to be the one that owns the creature. Mm -hmm. So it's like. I kill you, uh, I kill your creature, politic you, you get to draw a card, and go. Like, it I even think... exiles the creature. Oh, it does. Ooh. Yeah. So yeah, definitely, definitely super good. Yeah. Worth giving someone else a card in most cases. But yep. it's not in my core, because I think I got it afterwards. I think I put it in my Obnixilis deck, because I want to make people draw cards. And <laughs> I just like... Infernal Grass. I've been actually working on shrinking down the core to add more diversity to my cores, my shells. But mm -hmm. that's either here or there. Um, what's next? Yes. Oh. Resets and wipes. Uh, no, no, no. We're not done with the removal cards. Oh, oh. Whoops. Yeah. Uh, feed the Swarm. Absolutely, positively black staple, 100%. Yep. <laughs> One in the black. Sorcery destroy target creature or enchantment an opponent controls. I lose life equal to that permit converted mana cost. Okay, I you'll you'll hear my removal cards coming after this that I play because I want similar effects that cost way more. Okay, yeah, I'll pay the life. Fucking go. Let's yeah. do it. Having something in black that pops an enchantment by targeting it rather than making them choose to sacrifice a creature, because uh, there was other effects like this, like Farika's Libation and things, um, mm -hmm. and I think a new one just came out too, but still not as good. Um, but it it's a unique effect in black. You, you need it because no, yeah, a lot of people you'll know, come across casual games you're in where people just don't play enough removal or interaction. And sometimes they just won't play it because it's 
you're the only person that it fucks with. You got to be able to handle things on your own. Mm-hmm. Not all of it's them, but at least one of them. <laughs> yep. Um, my next removal is mentioned already: Hero's Downfall. One, two, black, instant, destroy target creature, planeswalker. Boom. Yeah. It's one of those things. It's like, yeah, I've got plenty of creature removal. This is my planeswalker target. Bam. Yeah. I add more into the shells if I can, but this is the, this is the what I would call the, uh, the gold standard. Yeah, not the gold standard. It's, it's just the standard. That's see, I found that's also what I think of as like the standard removal spell. I think that's because you and I both started playing when this was in standard, and that this card was huge while it was in standard in Theros. Yeah, it was fucking expensive too, man. <laughs> yeah. And then Ruinous Path got printed. That card was just as good, remember? No, no, it, it had Awaken. It had Awaken, though, Josh. No. That great mechanic. Yeah, no. <laughs> it did let me have more removal, and I normally pl- I played it. I had four promo oh. versions, but it was nowhere near as good as this. I'd... Sorcery versus uh, Instant. Yeah. I think it was ABU had their promos of Ruinous Path stolen, their box toppers. Really? Yeah, I think, like, they were on the counter so they could, like, like behind by the cash register so people could ha- so they could hand them out when people are buying boxes, because BFC boxes were selling, like, hotcakes because of expeditions. And I think somebody just, like, asked them to get a pack off, like, from the back row and just grabbed them and left. The fuck? I could, you know, I, I think I heard this story, but I was also a kid, so this could just be, like, I think Anthony at the time, or one of those uh, people who used to run in front counter there, uh, messing with me, but I'm pretty sure that happened. Uh, you know, oh, no. I I can believe it. Like, people are shady sometimes. That's just how it is. So my next, well, my was... last two removal cards. These right. are the weird ones that I think people look at me funny when I play them. But then it just makes sense. Um, Scour from Existence. I mentioned it already. Seven cost, exile target permanent, instant. Colorless, no black. But it exiles target permanent. I can use it to kill anything, like an artifact, or an enchantment, or a planeswalker, that I couldn't deal with with normal black cards. And then the yeah. same thing goes for my neck. My last one, seven cost, Meteor Golem. Mm-hmm. Enters the battlefield, destroy target permanent. That's why they're there. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, since you run Extra Planar Lens, Cabal Coffers, Cabal Stronghold, Urborg, it's not the hardest for you to get to having seven mana be not that big of a deal for you. Yeah. Yeah. They're, like in my in my mono black deck, uh, it's definitely not a problem, right? I run you can, once you start running Cage Sun and Gauntlet of Power, it's just right. Basically, those, those cards yeah. I run to stop an end. Game. They cost me about the same as an end game effect, and I use them to stop an end game effect. Mm-hmm. That's, That's a great way to think of it. Yeah, yeah. it's just yeah, you have to run it in like. They're great budget alternatives to things like the 8-mana Ugin or Karn Liberated. Obviously would be better than these, but just 
if you look at the price comparison to how much extra value you're getting out of those cards, I think this is the way to go. Right, and while those are sitting in your hand, nobody knows what's going to happen. They don't know it's coming. And yep. then people look at you and go, what? <laughs> Black just exiled my scour. artifact? What? <laughs> Scour's hilarious. Scour's so huge because it's instant speed, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does have a big mana cost, but you know what? Mm-hmm. you you got to have... There's When you're playing casual, things are going to get weird. you got to be prepared. Yeah. Like I said, I have to have at least one to two ways in my deck of dealing with any kind of situation if I can. Yeah. Uh, that's all my removal. So we'll go to my three wipes real quick. Um, mm-hmm. First up, another seven cost problem solver. Uh, all is dust. Everybody sacrifices every colored permanent they control. Done. Like, that's it. Solves almost every single problem. I can't get rid of all the artifacts, but. If I'm going up against an enchantment deck, <laughs> tokens, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, like, okay, let's go, <laughs> you know? And even against artifact decks, like, it blows up some of their stuff that profits off the artifacts, you know, like, it blows up their Urza, it blows up their, um, oh, I forget the name. And it's sacrifice. Yeah. Oh. Keyword. That's the main thing. It gets around mm-hmm. indestructible... Uh, Hexproof. I've forced so many people to Teferi's Protection when I played this. It's not even funny. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of the time, I made them do it on their turn because I emergence zoned them. (laughs) Oh, God. He's too powerful. Yeah. Yeah, this card's great. uh, My next one is kind of a pet wipe. I just love it too much. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Mutilate. Yeah. It's a four cost to file, except it hits every creature. <laughs> yep. Two, two Super black. Good. Every creature gets minus one, minus one for every swamp I control. Boom. Gets around indestructible. Gets around hexproof. I don't have to worry about destroying. And I, God, I love killing gods. Indestructible gods. Yep. I love killing them, especially fucking Perforos. Go to hell, you bastard. Um,. <laughs> is it weird that Perforos is the one that I hate the most? No, no, it's not weird, actually. I've been losing to Andy's Perforos deck since I was in middle school. <laughs> I, I hate that deck, too. Uh, <laughs> nothing against Andy, of course. Uh, just Perforos is so good. Yeah, and the problem is, is yeah. he's learned from me learning how to beat him to never have enough devotion when I'm playing the game. Yep. He knows that I'm holding up something to to get rid of Perforos the instant he becomes a creature. Yeah. Um, I'm more of a Black Sun Zenith kind of guy over Mutilate, but uh, I I definitely see Mutilate can get you can kill the bigger creatures easier sometimes. It's it's cost efficiency, it really is. Yeah. Because Black Suns, you have to dump so much mana into. Mutilate's easy to, like, play it, then rebuild your board. Like, you could play it, then play Living Death, for example. Speaking of my third wipe, uh, Living Death. Oh, is Living Death in your wipes category? It is. Interesting. Because it resets the field. Yeah. Granted, new things come out of the field. Mm-hmm. Or they don't. 
This was your first uh, pet card for for our show. Yes, because uh, it just it's so versatile. Um, yeah. If I don't have a board state, but everybody else does, I clear theirs and get mine. And mm-hmm. if nobody has a board state, we all get some. Uh, it's just, and it can be political. That's the great thing. It's like, yeah. fuck, he just white does everybody. Every, you want your stuff back? All right, let's go. You know. I love things like that where it has the veiled thing of being helpful to everyone, but I'm playing because I know it's going to be more beneficial to me. Mm-hmm. But I still, it's not an illusion to help the table because what fun is it to play an arm wrestling match against a kid? You know? Exactly. You don't want to win chess against somebody who doesn't know how to play checkers. Um, and that's weird, but it, it makes sense. About that one. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I like that. Like patriarchs bidding, uh, all those things that like everybody gets stuff, but you're built for it or can minute use it better. It, I love those cards. Yep. So living death, you can just it's fucking great. You control the timing of it too, so you get to play it when it's better for you. Um. I've I've won off of the Living Deaths countless times now. It's if you are playing black, I would recommend picking up one. It's a little pricier, you know. You're looking around the eight to ten dollar price range, but um, I would suggest it. I think it is definitely worth that price. Yeah, um, and it's got long term value, you know. Mm-hmm. You can build decks for it where it's like oh. Uh, you play the spirit commander you play your spirit put all your spirits in your graveyard boom living death like let's go just so yeah it's you can manipulate this card in many ways that's all there is and it's even worse when you're playing something like (sighs) Turgrid or Grave Betrayal Grave Betrayal Mm -hmm. that's a yeah does it because they sacrifice the creatures in play, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, I believe next we have uh, your your faves and staples. <laughs> um. So this with the with how I currently built the core, I had seven cards in my pets, favorites, staples, text, and meta. Uh, first up, Ball of Citadel. It's it's fucking yep. great. Like, if you're playing black, this is generally a good card to have. <laughs> yeah, but remember what I was saying like 15 minutes ago that I think uh, life is a cheaper deal than uh, mana value? Right. <laughs> hey, look, it's Mollus' Citadel. <laughs> yeah, a lot of my cards in this deck uh, cost me life to use appropriately. And mm-hmm. Bolas of Citadel is probably... It's not the most expensive one. Uh, the one that I've paid more life into since I started playing it was Peer, is Peer into the Abyss. <laughs> it's four and three black. Target player draws cards equal to half the number of cards in their library and loses half their life. Round up each time. <laughs> Fucking love this card. Yeah. I've actually used it to kill somebody before. Uh, oh my god. Yeah, with my Obnixilus draw deck. 
<laughs> yeah, I had I had uh, the thing out that said, what is it fucking called? Underworld Dreams. Target player takes, everybody loses life when they draw a card. So, I had that out. Appear into the abyss. Targeted him. Because I went to play it, and he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'm not going to count, but I'm like, I'm, but I'm targeting you. And he's like, oh. Oh, no. So he went to counter it, and then someone else wanted him to die. So they countered his counter. <laughs> oh, that's that's the best. When you get your counter spell countered by a third party. That's when you know it's your time to leave it's like, the table. It's like, shh, 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 let it happen. Let it happen. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of Pure to the Abyss, I think we have a, his cheeky little uh, brother, or best friend. Uh, oh, yeah. The other, the, literally the other half of the card. Um, Scourge Familiar it's a four and a black creature Phyrexian Imp all will be one uh, flying, I often forget it has flying uh, three two discard a card add a black <laughs> so I just drew half my deck uh, I'm not going to be able to use all those lands there so at minimum I normally have ten cards to discard easy yeah so this oh. this turns into depending on which shell I'm playing, this turns into just the fucking if I get both of these together, it's it's the end. Normally I can close the game <laughs> with this. Uh the only time I couldn't is when I did the pier, got the scourge out with a dark ritual and a cabal ritual and a shell, uh discarded a bunch of creatures, get enough mana to cast Rise of Dark Realms. And someone did very similar to I did with talk about with the grave consequences where they blew up my graveyard. <laughs> I uh, I was really considering putting this in my reanimator deck list because if you are playing a reanimator deck and you play Pierre to the Abyss with a Scourge Familiar in play, you just win unless you get really unlucky, right? Right. Um, but I, I think I heard in the back of my mind AJ's, AJ's calling out of the spirit of the league to me. Pulling me back from just buying three copies of both of these on TCG Player. I have two sets. Um, one is in Chainer Rakdos, and one is in my yep. core of both of these. Yeah. Now, there's another card that actually meshes with it that's in one of my shells only, and that is Bone Miser. Yeah. Because Bone Miser does a lot of what Scourge Familiar does, but not as just Banna. So... I discard lands, so get good. mana, I discard other things, get draw more, and then I discard creatures to get zombies. Like yep. I can still get the same effect with Bone Miser or Scourge Familiar, both cost four and a black. So yeah. that's how that works. You know, this is a twelve mana combo, right? Scourge Familiar is five mana, appearing to this is seven mana. Mm -hmm. um, now normally when I cast this, I have eight. If I don't have Scourge Familiar on the board. Um, a lot of times I've discarded yeah. cards with Scourge Familiar to be able to cast Fear and the Abyss. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's right, yeah. Never um, mind. I, I retract what I was going to say. But a lot of times I've drawn Scourge Familiar off of Fear and the Abyss mm -hmm. and get into a situation, like I mentioned before, where I'm like Dark Ritual, Cabal Ritual, and play the Scourge and then go ham. Yep. It's, it happens a lot because I'm almost always drawing like 30 to 40 cards and in my shells, I have variances of those things. And they yeah. usually end up playing Rise of the Dark Realms. That is generally yeah. how those two play into a win. 
just out of the shell. Yep. Just discard all of your big creatures, Rise of the Dark Realms. And get theirs too. Yeah. And Norman. Yep. Now, you don't have any haste outlets in your shell, so it doesn't just win unless you Gary them, but. Normally, um, a couple of my shells have a lot of ETB effects. Uh, Conrad mm-hmm. sees all the creatures leave. Um, <laughs> things like that. You, you don't know? even need Rise if you're running Conrad. You just discard everything and yeah. <laughs> drain them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. But, like, normally Rise of Dark Realms, if I go off with that, there's enough things that makes it so just bad shit happens to everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Rise of the Dark Realms, we just mentioned, uh, also in your core. Yep. It is one of my um, pet cards. It's the next one. <laughs> yeah. It's been losing popularity, I've noticed recently. That's cool. More of a surprise um, when I do it. <laughs> But yeah, great card. Seven black black, return all creatures from all graveyards to your battlefield. You know, you just become the Lich King for mm-hmm. a little bit. Especially if someone else has a creature with a haste outlet, it's go time. You know, yeah. the better their you stuff their is, the breast. better this card yeah. is. Exactly. So yeah, what, um, what else is... It, d- darkness. Uh, yeah, darkness, <laughs> one black, instant, prevent all combat damage you this turn. So it's the only black fog that I know of. Yep. Um, there may be others. A bunch of removal spells. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's great. It saved me so many games, yeah. and it's just fun to play, because they're like, wait, what? Most of the time, so many people have never seen this card before, and that's my favorite part. They're just like, wait, what? Yep. And that just, that's my favorite part. Um, it's gone up in price so much now, and it's such a shame. It, it is. I would not be um, mad if they reprinted it. Uh, like no, they did. They put it in Time Spiral. But still, well, was, if they printed it again, like, it wouldn't be a bad thing, because I think it's a great card. I would, however, lose spiral? my wow factor when I do it, but you know what? That's I can find other cards for wow factors. <laughs> um, time Spiral was... Not Time Spiral Remastered. 2006. So, fair. Coming up on twenty years since it's reprinted. <laughs> wow. I'm that old. Okay. Um, well, <laughs> I have two more cards I left. The subject. Um, <laughs> yeah, two more cards. Yeah. yeah. One is Swiftfoot Boots. Like, yep. Not really much. I really have to explain. It's two. Cost artifact equipment. Equip creature has hexproof mm-hmm. and haste. Equip one. Like. It, it's a really great card for decks built around commanders. Like, even if your uh, commander's not Voltron, or whatever, it's just a good uh, equipment to have, and... Yeah? Uh, why no Lightning Greaves is my question, I guess. Because uh, Shroud. I don't like Shroud. Uh, I guess that's right. I guess a couple of your cores do kind of... One of your cores is Voltron, and a couple of them have, like, Voltron-y sub-themes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just in Good general point. don't like not being able to target my own stuff because a lot of my spells I do have in the other cores for those commanders are either equipment or some kind of protection spell for that commander, like Undying Evil. And if I have Shroud and they board wipe, I can't save my commander. Mm-hmm. And so the point of put on the boots is moot. So Swiftfoot boots, not always a super amazing, but 
still does what it needs to. Yeah. Lightning Greed is still a good card, uh-huh. but in my case, the way I play and build, it it's counteractive. So my last yeah. card is probably the most complicated of my core. And that is Onyx Talisman. You mentioned it before, and you were wondering mm-hmm. why I didn't put it in my mana permanence. Um, because it's variable. Uh, I've used it to untap my Voltrons before. Um, so Onyx Talisman, two-cost artifact from Ice Age. Uh, pay three. Untap target permanent. I can only use this ability when a black spell is successfully cast. It can get countered and still have this effect happen. But as long as I cast a spell, or anyone casts this black spell, I can use it to untap a permanent, but and only once for each black spell cast. Yeah. So um, I've used this to untap my Voltron commanders. Uh, more often than not, it untaps my Cabal Coffers or my Cabal Strongholds. Uh, I've used it to untap people's turtle that was being a dick, uh, making all my stuff come into play tapped, so when I rise the Dark Realms, they'd be untapped. Yep. Uh, it, it has neat effects. It doesn't tap, it only untaps. Yeah. But I'm it's quickly... Sorry, sorry to speak over you while you're going over mm-hmm. it, but I just want to... Um, it's... Uh, errata is whenever a player casts a black spell, you may pay three if you do untap target permit. So you need to do it uh, when the spell is cast. You can't right. cast the spell, have it resolved, then afterwards activate it, which the old wording would allow for. Right. So you have to... When any black spell casts a spell. Yeah, whenever when any player casts a black spell, right. which is common in uh, four players. It can games, happen. At least somebody else to cast them. Yeah. So, like I could, like I said, cast my Rise of the Dark Realms, pay three with the rest of my mana, untap my Cabal Coffers. Yep. Sounds yeah. great. This card's sick. Uh, great with Cabal Coffers, you know. Activate Cabal Coffers, get a bunch of mana, cast a black spell, untap Cabal Coffers, activate it, get a bunch of mana, cast a black spell, so on and so forth. Yep. It is literally the keystone of how my Toshiro Umizawa works. Yep. I have I, and I have never seen this card before, you uh, before I saw your list because one, never gotten to play against your Toshiro, two, um, never seen it anywhere else. Even this seems like a great CDH card too. I think in CDH, you would have to have some one thing that produces a lot of mana. Yeah. Um. Well, the thing is, like, if you're playing. Uh, Sultai CDH, right? Mm-hmm. You can cast, like, uh, in, I, I mean, obviously, this is like a theory. You can cast, like, Dark Ritual, tap Gaia's Cradle, untap Gaia's Cradle, cast uh, Demonic Tutor, tap Gaia's Cradle, untap Gaia's Cradle. So, keep going. Yeah. I guess Gaia's Cradle isn't even that big in CDH. Yeah. Great card, though. Like, and it untaps lands, so it's. It. Gets around the one thing that held Paradox Engine back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this is nowhere near as powerful as Dox Engine. Right, because it's specifically black to me, mainly thing. Yep. And it has a cost. Yeah, um, yep. it's a it's a it's a hard cost. It's difficult to pull off. But generally, when I do, that's it gets it gets out of hand. 
real quick. Mm -hmm. And I usually have to tone it back depending on what table I'm on, deciding whether or not I'm going to use it like that. Uh, just, you know, that's one of the things about the way I play and build this core is it's like all my different shells have different levels and ways of play. But that doesn't mean I have to play each one to its maximum efficiency at a table I'm at. Yep. I try to play at the level I'm at, you know, not just like, oh, well, you guys didn't bring strong enough decks, so I'm just going to do this, 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 and boom, uh, next game. Now, I want to see what their decks do. I want to be able to give those players input and stuff, you know, because sometimes people's decks don't get better unless they see what it can and can't do in situations. Exactly. Like, playing against a stronger opponent in almost all things in life will make you better at whatever you're doing, whether it's a sport or a game. But playing, but get, playing in somebody where there's so much of a gap where you don't get to make those mistakes or see those mistakes won't help if you're just getting pub stomped. Right. Yes, yeah. I know some people will say that it's kind of worse when I do that because I'm kind of playing with my food. But no, I'm playing with my friends. Yeah, and especially if you set those limitations in your head beforehand, right? And not making them up as you go, it's better. Yeah, when I get to a certain point in a certain game with, with certain decks, I'm just like, no, this is not how I'm going to win this game. I'm going to do it differently. That's... Yeah. It's like, no, this is too much. This combo is clearly too strong for this table. I'll find a different way. And a lot of the times, that inspires me to build something else or make changes in my deck that ends up making it better because I found mm -hmm. a different way. Yeah. So I guess now that we've gone through your uh, Rubik's as a whole, what uh, what card do you think if you if you're gonna add another card to it, what do you think it's gonna be? Um, I just recently got the you mentioned it earlier, uh, the of the sun. Sorry, you, you cut out the the the, the, the six cost artifact, uh, sun. Six cost art. Oh, cage sun. Yeah, cage sun. I just got a cage sun. Ah, perfect. So I'm working on trying to squeeze that in, thinking about yeah. where it's going to go. It's one of the higher cost cards that would go in the deck, but I'm sure I could figure it out. Um, work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just, yeah, it's a good card. Yeah. It's it's super, it's, it's super another extra cool. planar lens for me. Yep. If you are playing a monocolored commander deck, Cage Sun should be in it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's one card I know I'm swapping in. Um, thought about Vampiric Tutor, but in general, not all my decks are going to be able to benefit from having a card on top. I don't like exposing my whatever I'm really hunting for to. I, if I'm going to search something, I kind of want it now. Like. Yeah. I mean, you can always cast it at the opponent going before you use end step. I mean, that's fair, but I hate tutoring mm -hmm. at the person before me because then I'm searching, then I'm shuffling, then I take my turn. Like, yeah, I like to tutor if I can when nothing else is going on. You know, keep things moving. It's just personal play style. It's not the most optimal. It's not always the best correct, but you know what? In CDH, yeah, that's exactly how I do it. In casual... Nah. <laughs> mm -hmm. A, vamp a vampire tutor is normally never casual. <laughs> yep. Except it's... for when I'm I am putting it in my Nashi deck when I get it. 
Or hit a Segu if you build that guy. But he's red-black. Yeah, it's a shame. It is. Uh, yeah, alright. So, we're getting pretty toward near uh, the hour 30-ish mark, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, we are. Ten more minutes. I guess, um, any cool jank card you want to just give a shout-out to? It can be from your core, it can be from anything. Um... Yeah, um, I think I, my shout out is going to be one of the cards from the core I talked about today, and that's Manascape Refractor. Like, yeah. overall, it's like, hey, this is a really cool card. And even in a game where you're only playing against people with basics who have no special lands or anything, it still works. And like, yeah, it, it never fails. It can't fail. It will always produce anything that your lands can produce, or it gets special, and or it gets special abilities. It can't fail. Yeah, I definitely think it's one of the most underrated uh, mana rocks. Probably because it's three cost. And that's it. Yeah. Um, I can guarantee if it was two cost, it would be sold out everywhere. Yeah. Uh, because just two cost uh, artifacts that... Two cost artifacts that enter Taft and produce one mana are... Okay. Yeah. Two cost artifacts that enter tap produce mana and can produce more than one mana? Busted. Just busted. Mm -hmm. yeah. Alright. Well, uh, we have reached that time frame. I'm uh, going to have to call it here. And yeah. uh, next week we're going to go over shells. Or some. Mm -hmm. Basically the shell construction and. A couple of the shells themselves, either as example yeah. or just as a whole chain of here's all the shells, but <laughs> I don't know. It depends <laughs> uh, how we feel about it. If we find other topics to do before then, we'll do other stuff too. Like maybe we'll talk about shell construction and do a deck tech for somebody or something like that. Yeah. Um, but that's also how I like to build my decks. Is like whether or not I have a core built, um, I try and keep my idea to like 25 cards, including the commander. I'm like, hey, yeah. this commander looks cool. Here's what I would build for them. The rest of the deck, that's kind of player preference because about 50 of your cards are going to be like lands, ramp, rocks, like for your colors. So mm -hmm. after that, it's 25 preferential cards and then 25 for whatever works for your commander. Like, yep. so that's generally how I build, I'll start my ideas out at least on paper. And then when I build, I'm like, okay, what do I actually have and what can I afford? <laughs> yeah, I, I think even, I think green and blue. I think AJ's one is going to be super uh, interesting. Cool to look at because there will be a lot of ramp in it, I assume, because green yeah. just runs so many ramp spells mm -hmm. that shares it. And then blue, it's like, I mean, I hate to be that guy, but I, I'm running 12 counter spells, right? <laughs> and that's the thing is that you could actually... In a blue cute Rubik's like this, you could have only eight counter spells, or only five in the main core, and then each deck has each of the little shells has like two to three counter spells that none of the others do, because there's so many yeah. fucking counter spells in blue. <laughs> yeah, sadly there's like three there's like three or four counter spells now that are like one blue blue counter spell exile instead. Stop. Just stop. Is yeah. Okay. All right. So to give an idea. Um, I have 11 shells. I have the core. 
And mm-hmm. to give an exact example, um, for the total value of the 11 decks that I play of this core is $1,200, give or take a little bit. Um, now, that's budget friendly. Like, that's 11 decks for just barely over $100 a piece. Yeah. But you get to play those big expensive cards is the thing. Which in is so in every single one. Yeah. Because the core on Moxfield is like 268, 230-ish. I can't quite... I close out of the tab, I think. Yeah, it's it's okay. It, yeah, it's, it gets the, there. <laughs> but I mean, that means it's bringing up the average. The core. Yeah, the, my, the core on yeah. Moxfield is 284. Yeah, so it's it's bringing up the average by a decent amount. So that means once you build the core, completing each deck is going to be cheap. You're looking around the $100 price tag, which I think is what a lot of budget players aim for. I, I could be wrong. You know, I've never really been a budget player, um, unless it's a theme at ABU. Right. Um, but in but you get to play with cards like Cabal Coffers to Mock Tutor. Yeah, and in the long run, I've, I've mm-hmm. spent $300 once. But I'm playing it 11 times. So 10 times yep. are for free, basically. So it's like saving $3,000. Yeah. the A big part of playing Magic the Gathering, I think, and getting into it is optimally spending your money to the value that card's going to get you, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I kind of don't want to divulge on this too long because I think this is a huge topic. But Beating a black horse? I think this is... Yeah. I think this is something... Uh, the Rubik's does very well. It really does. Mm-hmm. And it fits my budget perfectly because <laughs> every paycheck, I'm like, you know what? I need to do this. I've only got this much, but I need to do something different or spice something up. Boom. I fix things. And that's what I do. Yeah. All right. So yeah, with that, do we want to end it off here? Yeah, we can cut it here. Um, right. We went over a lot of stuff. Uh, went a little bit... Uh, not longer than we thought it was going to, just uh, later than I thought we were going to. So uh, I will go ahead and let it cut out here. Uh, do you have any final words? Um, you know, uh, we've got Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, uh, Patreon, uh, YouTube soon, TM, um, RSS, Spotify. Uh, check us out. Um, how are we looking on the permanent link for... How many more nitro boosts do we need? For we have a permanent link now. We have a permanent link now. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, you can actually find the permanent link either on our our Twitter, um, mm-hmm. or on our RSS, or on my mock field. I have it, um, and it's permanent now. Nice. I think once we got one boost, we were permanent. After a week of the after a week of the Discord being up. Nice. Well then, yeah. Um, Find our Discord. Come join our Discord. Yeah. Come hang out. Ask questions. Yes. Talk about the episodes. Post, post decklist. I mean, I always love looking over decklists. And we would love to talk about someone else's stuff besides us. Yeah. Because that's what people really like. And we like mm-hmm. people liking what we do. Yep. Especially since but we're yeah. still new. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for uh, listening in. Take it easy and stay safe out there, people. Yep. Peace. See ya.